Hello, welcome to Lit KC. I'm your host, Jason Peru. Today, my guest on the show is Gustavo Ibar. Gustavo is a poet living, working in Kansas City. He's also a father. You'll hear him refer several times to his son, Becker. Gustavo and I talk about parenthood, about how he got to Kansas City, about him growing up in Miami, and all sorts of interesting other items and tidbits. How has your day been? Has it been good? Have you enjoyed a nice glass of water? You should. Have you enjoyed a bit of sunshine? You should. Sun is good for you. Don't be indoors too long. Or your skin will grow clammy. And your brain will grow foggy. And that's my advice. Drink water and get outside and listen to Gustavo Ibar. Here he is. In terms of um, independence. So I think what's tough is he's an only child. Yeah. Um, and then we both worked so hard that when we were with him, it was like we always gave him all, all the attention. Um, and so Erica was always better at that than me um, in terms of like he needs playtime on his own. I, for me, when the battle came up, it was playtime or nap time. And I was like, playtime means he's awake and he can walk in the room and interrupt adult time. Um, I'd rather he be asleep. Let's yeah. keep nap time until he's 12, if possible. It's hard um, to strike that balance, too, man, between adult time and kid time, especially yeah. when the kids are little, because yeah. it's always kid time. Yeah. Like 24 7 kid time. Yeah. And kid we, time. we really struggled with that. I struggled with, I, my father wasn't around. And so for me, it was like I overcompensated in a lot of ways. And I probably still do. And so I'm learning to just like let it go. Um, and so, I had a hard time with that. Like Sarah's the one has to remind me, like, we need our time. <laughs> yeah. we as I was always just like oh, I just want to hang out with the kiddos just like we need to do our stuff too so she's been really good though yeah. patient with me just learning how to yeah you know. it's I, I remember reading a, a blog I think from a website and we when Eric and I met we were both on the same page with church and religion and which wasn't really trusting of the church anymore. Even though we put our kid in the school, yeah. um, we know the foundation is great. And then when you get older, who cares? Do what you want. Um, but not like one of the blogs that I read, and actually a, a friend of mine too was like, "Where? What role did the church play? What role did God play in, in your relationship?" And there wasn't really much, you know. And so like now I've recommitted to the church, and I'm like, as much, even though I'm still in a sense in that same space, I'm just like, okay, I gotta go to mass. You know, we're giving him this message and being raised this way. I need to lead by example as well. Same way you said with the basketball. Um, so now I go, even when he's not with me, I'll do that. And so now we're, I'm praying and doing a lot more, like, openly, you know, in front of him. Um, and I know that's been helping, like, I think in terms of, like, being focused on a higher power and that something greater is has their best intentions for you has been really good for me and my mind and my spirit. Um but one of the blogs said that, where it's like, God, the, the, the couple, right? You, the husband and wife, and then the kids in that order. Yeah. Um, and for, for us, it was the kid, and then jobs, and then whatever else, and then like we were always last. And I'm like, well, that's how we broke down, you know? Um, but yeah, so like with him, we still, I still struggle sometimes where it's like I, I need, and even with writing, like it was, I forgot what writing community it was. I think it was Artist Inc. where somebody that I, that I talked to was like, you need to, your son needs to see you writing. You need to spend some time reading and writing in front of him. Like you can't just be. So what does he think all of all that? Um, with the writing? Yeah. I haven't done that in a long time, not in front of him. Like with the the last book, um, I was on it. I was working. After I finished my job, I'd be 40 to 50 hours a week working on writing and, and to create that. And so there are a lot of times where I was like, I was a lot more inspired and I was a lot more, I had a routine. So yeah. like every week I'm like a writing prompt and then just working on that. And then inspiration came more from there. But um he liked all of that, and so there were days where I'm just like, I would tell him all the time, I'm like, you got to go to bed because I need to write. That's it. You're like Mo Willems. You ever read his books? Um, he's the one that wrote, he writes Elephant and Piggy and Pig books. Um, they're super funny. The Pigeon books. Oh, yeah. Um, Don't totally. let the pigeon know the bus him. Yep. He has like 18 or 20-something books, and I'm like, you see his books? You love them? He's taking all the books. I need to have some books. <laughs> he's doing go all to the bed. work. Um, 
go to bed so I can so I can write something. Um, and so I think comparing it that way really helped and helped him understand and then him seeing me do a lot of that. And we were more like we were more active in the poetry community when we were a couple because I, at that time I felt like there wasn't any comp like we didn't have to compensate for missed time with him. Right. Um, whereas now, like with the separation, it's like um, I can't just take him to poetry every night, you know, and not give him time for himself. Um, so I really don't do that unless have it's like. Have you given him the pen and the paper and say, let's do this together? He, what we end up doing is he will do some reading yeah. and he'll do Spanish tutoring while I'm doing my own yeah. reading and writing. And so, but he, he's in the JP2 magazine, the literary magazine that they cool. picked up. Um, I was excited about that one. He was like, I wasn't going to push him. Um, I was like, what do you want to write? You want to write a story? You want to do a comedy whatever? He wrote a poem. You, you know, help them out with that, and then it's in the magazine. And so I, I want actually I want to read all the ones that were. It's fantastic. Um, uh, that were done. It's something they haven't done at that school. I think what they say in thirteen years. Wow. And they just brought it back, and what a cool thing. I, they I didn't mean, have that in my schools, man. They I didn't had have so many kids, and I just you know one of the things that I remember with the Latino Writers Collective is that when I when I became a member, uh, or or met them, um, I feel like my poetry was shitty. Um, and they were just like, oh, no, you're good. <laughs> um, yeah, just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming and, and learning. Um, and I, honestly, I, I think they were being genuine in terms of like, yeah, this is good, considering where you're at and how much craft you've learned or studied. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we just kept, they, they published me in, in the first anthology, which I'm like. How did you um, come in contact with those folks? I, I was a lot more active in the community. Yeah. So it was, just being out this about. was, um, I met them like 2008. And so like some of the, the people like Jose, the founder, knows the whole world. Um, Linda Rodriguez, I don't know if you know her. I, um, I know the name, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was one of the, I don't know if she was a founder, but she was definitely like really heavily involved. I can't remember the titles she held. Um whether it was president or vice president or something, but she was prevalent. And Shanif, you know Shanif? Yep. Um, so, and then Angela Cervantes. So all those people, um, through Linda, um, I took a class with her husband, so Dr. Furnish. How did you get um, up in Kansas City? I moved here for the Ford plant. So I had a cousin and an uncle that were working at the Ford plant. And so I lived in Miami, and yeah. Miami was horrible. Um, I love the life, but you can't really, like, I was driving a hatchback to, to Toyota Tercel, right? So it was like this little horrible old car. Like, I could take the keys out of the car, and of the ignition, and it would still be I feel running. like there's a story right there, man. No AC, <laughs> no air conditioner in Miami. And I think I remember one of the windows, the driver's window, wouldn't really roll up well. So imagine with all the rain. So it was, I struggled around in that car. Um, but it lasted, I think, a year, at least a couple of years. I drove that here from from Miami. You said um, no, but I I honestly like at the time I think I was like twenty two, and so I realized like I had two languages. There's so many people that have yeah. three or four or more languages down there, um, and then I just wasn't getting any luck in terms of work or whatever else. And my mom told her sister in New York, her sister told her son in Kansas City, and they were like, well, why doesn't he come here? Because he was at the Ford plant already. Gotcha. So I think he'd been at, he's already been almost 20 years now. So his dad did like 30 plus years. Um, moved from New Jersey to here when like a Jersey plant closed. And so, so I came for that. And, then, and so you were, you were out of college in Miami then? I started, I had started college gotcha. in Miami. So I was out of high school. So I think I, I struggled because around that time we were at risk low income kids. Yeah. right? And so what I realize now about that is like that's why... Family members and friends dropped out of high school, right? That's oh, yeah. why I struggled, right? Um, I did five years of high school. Um, and, I, I, you know, I blame myself. I blame the school and counselors and my parents and all of that. But it's like, that's, you're living day to day, right? And so, but I, I talked to Becker about that. I'm like, he went, we actually, when we went to Miami, I took him to my school. Yeah. So we went to the high school um, and I talked to the kids, read some poetry, but I was like, you know, I was like, I was a student here and I was a horrible student. Now, when I see my grades, they weren't as bad as I 
believe them to yeah. be. Um, but I'm like, I know when I started college, I it, it was it was I, I had to make up so much of the work. Um, and I remember, like, I have a master's in Spanish literature, basically. And my least favorite class, the worst teacher of the school was a Spanish teacher, right? And so I remember talking to the counselor and saying, hey, um, because I did five years, I still had to take Spanish, but I was like, I need you to write on my record that I don't need these classes because you're telling me I really don't. I have all the credits that I need to graduate. Yeah. I'm not doing anything in this class. I need that written down or I don't care because I don't need it. Um, and I basically in college, bachelor's and master's, I'm hearing these poems that I had to, that I remember from high school. Um, and I'm like, had I done the work then, <laughs> this shit would have been so much easier. And I told my son that. And it's like the worst that like if we talk to this lady now, she's like, holy shit. I remember like we were in class. She'd grade the work or be talking, like asking us for our grades. And she's like, Gustavo, what'd you get? Didn't do it. She's like, F. And then like weeks later or weeks goodbye and I'd say the same shit. She's like, double F, triple F. I didn't care about any of that. I was like, you, was, F is F. I'm, I'm not doing anything. She couldn't here. even shame you into uh, it, man. He's like, I don't care. Because <laughs> um, that's just me. I'm strong in my convictions. Like, do what you want to do. I was like, I'm not doing the work here. I could care less. Now I have a Spanish major, Spanish degree, pushing Spanish on my son. Um, <laughs> right? So I'm destined to, to make up for all lost time. But um, no, so that's what it was. So I just struggled financially. Um, beautiful place to live you know beautiful people um but i just couldn't you can't really enjoy life when you can't when you don't have any money yeah i feel um, like that's the the story in most of those coastal cities yeah like yeah. if you don't have money you are hurting yeah like really i mean that's anywhere you don't have money you're hurting but at least in the middle of the country kansas city omaha <laughs> minneapolis like that line of cities there yeah. It's a little more reasonable. You can yeah. buy on a lot less. Yeah, here you, know. you, yeah, you can. And so, you know, and then especially when you see, like, so much beauty and then so much money. Like, I mean, here, it's interesting because when I moved here, people are like, oh, I don't understand all this Sean John and Rockaware. And, but I'm like, but Wrangler jeans cost about the same, yeah. right? So I'm like, it's, you're still spending $70 on a pair of pants. You're buying a Harley truck, right. which is still 50 to 60 Gs as opposed to a Beamer, right? So I'm like, there's still the luxury and the brand thing that, that, that people have. Um, it's just Beamers are seen as more luxurious, right? Yeah, you don't escape you know? that shit. Versace I mean. is seen as more high fashion, yeah. right? But I'm like, you're still, it's still the same money, still the same need that we're filling. Um, but yeah, so I think in that sense, it's like, well, it's there. It exists. I just can't attain it. Um, but I moved here. I moved here in 99, that was the year, the winter that Eric Thomas died, driving yeah. crazy on the road. Um, and, yeah, so I moved here that year, and then, the, you know, Ford is, you know, nepotism. And so my... my. How long did you stay there, though? I actually, I never worked there. You didn't even um, get to? No, I, I put in the... The issue is, it's twofold. I blame myself, because I moved here, um, but that was my uncle by marriage. Yeah. And so I, w I didn't really know him. And so, and then my cousin that lives here, I didn't really know him well either. And so he had lived here most of his life. And so we never came here. We only went to New York and saw everybody else. And so I came here and moved. And so my cousin and I got along great, but I didn't, I, I've never been super vocal about everything, right? And so um, when his father would talk to me and say, hey, the Ford is going to be accepting applications and testing, fill it out, turn it in, give it to me, and we'll see what happens, I would listen and do and wait um but i wasn't the one that was like hey what's happening with the job yeah. hey what's going on and so i i feel like that's hurt me in a lot of ways because i've heard that with jobs too and i'm like i heard it you know i did the police so i heard it at the police department yeah. and it, like for me i'm like listen what the fuck do you want me to do you know what i mean i'm like i'm here every day i haven't missed class everybody here has had their own personal issues and so do i but i come to class every day and i'm doing my best um that's it i don't I'm not going to talk about shit. I'm not going to be celebrating driving crazy on the road or shooting guns because I don't give a fuck about that. I want to pay bills and be a good father. That's it. Um, right? But I've, I've had to learn. Like I, when I applied for the position I have, I sent, I actually talked to the hiring manager who I knew personally. Um, and then when they were waiting and processing everything, I sent her another email. I was like, hey, I'm just staying in touch. I've been I've been told in the past that sometimes my actions and my patience 
with things seems as it comes across as I could, like nonchalant or like I could care less, like I don't care about it. Um, I want you to know that I'm waiting for you guys. Take your time, do what you need to do, but I want this job. Yeah, um, that goes a long way, right? And so I've had to learn that because if I can't be fully expressive and be like, oh my god. Um, I got to tell you some way, shape, or form. So, um, but yeah, so I think that's what hurt me because he was probably just like, oh, he doesn't really care. And then I bounced around from job to job. So he was like, this fucking kid. Were you living with him when um, you came up? No, I moved to my own apartment. Um, I lived oh, in hard too, Ninth in Pennsylvania, yeah. right in front of the downtown airport, which was nice. Um, and then both, like two cousins moved in with me. So the one that was here um, moved in with me like within the month. And then his brother in New York moved in with me as well. Right, so it was like three of us, and then me and the his, the brother from New York were sleeping in a mattress, air mattress, and the the damn thing would fucking we wake up and it would be flat, it would be flat like we'd, there'd be nothing, and it was the same routine every day, um, for months. Yeah, yeah. That's something you can do only in your twenties, man. Yeah. Like, and then my my cousin would make mac and cheese. Living on mac or, and cheese. He was a mac and cheese expert, mattress. man. What were you doing for um, fun back then? I didn't, you know, I didn't really do a lot. Did you guys get to go out at all? We did a lot of hanging out at the time. Um, I didn't really do a lot of stuff for me. Like, I've always been more of an indoor person, like, just homebody. Um, So, like, my younger cousin was more of a homebody as well. So him and I would chat and go to, like, Chinese buffets a lot and talk shit and dreams. Um, His brother was more... um, um, like he'd do the clubs. He'd want to go to clubs. I could care less. So, um, and I don't have to be the leader. So whenever he'd like, we're going to this club. I'm like, all right. If I felt like going, I'd I'd go. If not, I'm like, no, I'm tired. I don't want to do that and stay home. Um, so for the m- most part, we did a lot of bars. So we'd be at sports bars. We'd yeah. watch like the Lakers and Kobe winning, and trash talk. Um, so we did a lot. Were you of writing that. a lot then? No, I wasn't. I didn't really start writing a lot until 2001, actually. So I think 2001 was when um, Deaf Poetry came out, yeah. I think, in that year. And so that's when I was like, oh, shit, I need to be, I need to do more. And then um, I think that same year, the year after, I went to Danny's Big Easy or Danny's Something, which is a, it, on 18th and Vine. It was one of those restaurants. I believe, I don't know, because I only went once. Um, but they had an open mic there. Gotcha. And so it's, it's interesting because like one poet that I remember, one of his poems struck a chord and I was like, how dare you say that? Um, and it wasn't even for me. It was the woman, the girl I was dating at the time was Mix. And it was a, like a poem about mixed people. Um, and so, but we, you know, I met him as after, like years later, I remembered his face. And I was like, you're the fucker that wrote that poem. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever told him that. I was like, you know, I may have said like, you wrote a poem that, made me think about things and I don't I don't think I was really happy about your opinion um but I couldn't remember anything about what it was so I'm like no real conversation but um yeah so it wasn't until 2001 that I started writing a lot more serious and actually really I struggled when I started writing I started writing in Spanish um because I was living in Miami and so most of my life was speaking Spanish even though a lot of my friends were bilingual too um but th- I just started writing in Spanish, and then I realized, like, I live in this country, um, which I feel like now, looking back, I'm like, that was a stupid fucking decision. But I was like, I, I live in this country, and I have to either write, I have to write in English. And so I stopped writing in Spanish. And I even stopped working on building my, my language skills. Um, so I lost a lot of Spanish l- moving here. That's a fucked up position um, to be in, man. It's, you know, it's interesting, but that's why you need to talk to people, right? That's why you need yeah. to have mentors. But I, um, you know, but that's what I thought. I'm like, it is. That's a fucked up mentality. That, like, I, I got to give this up to be part of this, too. Yeah. And so, so I, I started working and writing more in English. And I, I don't remember, but I think I might have sprinkled Spanish in there. Yeah. Um, and so now I definitely do a lot more. Um, both my degrees are were Spanish, you know, Spanish lit. Um, and so that's how I sort of compensated. Um, but, yeah, so it wasn't, I think, until like 05 when I, um, you know, Janet Sunderland? Yeah. I think we talked. Yeah. I think we were we were talking. So I took a speech class with Janet Sunderland at Maple Woods, and so I remember. She's awesome. 
I hated the damn class yep. um, because it's public speaking and what do I hate that? Um, and I, I, I don't think I ever told her, but I recorded all of my speeches and memorized all of them. And I think the longest may have been like 10 minutes. Um, and then the ones where she's like, you're going to read all, like note cards and then go off of that, like to give you more whatever data. And like my note cards just said, breathe slow down because I memorized the Let whole fucking thing yeah yeah because I just memorized it um but she can gave, you do that shit now do you think I don't want to if, if I said Gustavo I got a 20 minute set I want you to memorize I don't know if I could do it I it's it's a lot of work let me tell you um because I yeah I we met after after Becker man we met after Becker but I was active in the like I would do poetry every fucking day yeah um and and I think back around that time, they had Kansas City had a lot of shit because they still had Prospero's. The Writer's Place has always been there, but they had um, the Ulit, which came back. I, they took a break for like I don't know seven years or more. They had the Last Poet Standing. Did you ever go to those? No. Holy shit, those were good. So the guy that does that used to, that host, Juke House, I think, um, Simeon Taylor, him and Ronaldo Torres. Um, hosted the last poet stand and that was f- fucking phenomenal it would be at the westport coffee house downstairs oh, right on. yeah and um and that performance based on it yep. yeah and so and to me i feel like the crowds that would come were extremely diverse like one of the guys um that would go and perform is um maddie brahm is what mad what he goes by um but it's dr forstater at umkc right but he would he had some really great poems um I don't know where he's actually from. I don't know, like, background Jewish yeah. or whatever. But um, really, really cool guy. Um, and he would come and just destroy people and other poets with his poems. Phenomenal. Um, it was a, we had Gino Morrow. You know Gino Morrow? No, um, From yeah. the last, uh, it's not the last poets, but it was, they had a different name. And uh, the Black Poets. The Black Poets something. Um they had just their own open mic and not open mic, but basically just that crew. That's all the people that performed for years yeah. and people came and supported them all the time. Um, so Glenn North, um, all of that when he was performing more, um, Anastasia Tolbert, like, um, yeah. she's fucking phenomenal. Um, yeah, there were so many, man. I miss, like, to me, I feel like I love the education I got from the, poetry community here because I, I don't think there's like I've have not spent enough time in New York or Miami in Miami I spent four months um, but I know that I could have done more in terms of the literary community um, but I don't I don't think it compares I feel like we have some dope ass poets here um, oh, we've got fantastic writers all around and just yeah. hard workers yeah you know it's um, it, being in the Midwest and I think a lot of people take it for granted like they know if no. They're going to be there performing. They're going to try to give you a show, you know. And even if they're not strong performers, like, it's going to be a good book. No. Like, I'm going to put effort. The effort is, I don't think a lot of the uh, the folks that are movers and shakers here in the art community is, like, they really work hard to make things happen. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so, no, so Janet, um, I took her class, and it was, she basically gave me some good feedback, and um, I got an A in the class, so I was like, I reached out to her, and I was like, can I talk to you? Can we meet outside of school? And it was basically like, this is what I do. I shared some poems, and they were shitty and super long, and I don't even remember what I shared with her. But I was like, I don't know what I can do with any of this, but I like to read and write. And so she's like, go to UMKC. You basically told me, go to UMKC, go to financial aid, enroll in this, and I just followed her lead and then from there that's where i met ben yeah dr furnace and then the writer's place and just continue to be a and part then of that OWC and, um man, yeah damn, man, uh, that's interesting and so, um, so and every time i see her i was like hey do you remember me i, I love you um because that's you know that's the little bit that it took but she to me i feel like she was pivotal um it's interesting too because um, it probably was like she's having these conversations with everybody for you her know, it was probably just another out. student um i wouldn't say just another student and not just, and know, not in a negative like, way. Yeah, but not I mean, in a like, negative way. I think um, like, that's just interesting that that and other another student may have had that same advice yeah. and just not acted on it yeah. or said no, that's not what I needed this time. But it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, so no, so then it was oh five was when I actually started, and then from there was just slowly but surely, um, 
reading, writing, and just immersing myself in this and what year is this? Now we're in 2018, man. That's 13 years yeah. ago, my friend. 13 years. So I, I put a show together because a lot of what I learned was um, a lot of the poems that I was reading or a lot of the text that I was having to study for my undergrad and graduate stuff um, were turned into songs. And they were songs that my uncle used to listen to, um, which got me upset because I was like, I, granted, I never told him I like poetry, but I feel like that's why you have to talk, right? So, like, with my son, I just fucking talk. I feel and like the whole theme of this is... It's communication. I had to learn to communicate a little better. It's communication. Like, really? I don't know. Like, I talked... But, so my Were uncle... Were you quiet used, growing up? Yes. And just really inward? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, I feel like people respected and gave me my space. And also, like, as adults, it's like, great. Low maintenance. Leave him alone. Um, Were you fucked with a lot as a kid? What brought... I... Um... Kind of, but yeah. I was also an asshole in elementary. <laughs> I, I was an asshole. And it's it's funny because I feel like pe the people that do martial arts are like the ones that were the ones that were bullied. And yeah. so I wasn't bullied to the point where it was like, it wasn't physical, it was more mental. Yeah. And so what I know about myself, like I've always been strong mentally. And so like there were kids, like I remember in high school, there was one kid, forget his name, who was on the wrestling team, varsity probably in ninth grade or even all the years. Um, but when I finally passed him in height, he stopped fucking with me, right? But every day, like, if we had a class, he was like, fuck you, you ain't shit, blah, 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 you pussy, whatever. And I never said shit. But I know I walked the halls and I tried to avoid him. And I know there were times that I was scared. I was like, no, I, I'd probably lose. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm like, that's why we do martial arts now. Because right? I'm like, one, the gift is being able to walk through this world and not be fucking scared of people, right? Knowing that, okay, whatever happens, you've thought, you know, you're Jason Bourne now. You, you've thought of like, okay, well, if this happens, I have a plan, you know? And if that plan means I kick you once and run away or just run away, fuck it. Then you know this is what I had to do. There were 10. I wasn't going to win this, right. you know? Um, but that wasn't who I was then, right? And so that's why I do martial arts. Um, but I think that's in a lot of ways I've had that mentality. Like when Becker talks to me and he's like, well, the kids won't like that or don't say my middle name in public. Um, that's why I check them a lot because I'm like, listen, don't. I was like, it's okay to want people to like you and this and that, but I don't give a fuck about what people think. You know, it's ultimately like, yeah, I like fashion and, you know, you still do those things. But like, and even with rap, we were talking about rap earlier, right? Because people are like, um, have you seen the 13 TV series, 13 Ways to Die or 13 Reasons, no, whatever it is? On Netflix, yeah. um, my friend told me the book is good. I like the series because it touches on these really serious topics. Um, but the girl committed suicide, right? And it tells you from the beginning of the, the series or the book. Um, and peep, there's negative, there's fallback that they're getting because it's like they're, in a sense, like it's gratuitous and they're, uh, you know, it's like it's not positive. And I'm like, you got to talk about that. Um, but when I think about all this, I'm like, I grew up listening to rap and I grew up with gangster music and I grew up with guns and shooting and blood. And I'm like, I, don't, I, I didn't come out to be a fucking delinquent. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I have friends that were drug dealers and went to jail and have been in jail more times than I can remember. And they l chose this path. And, and none I, of that was because of rap music. I don't, maybe they fell into it, but also it's like, that's all, that could be parenting. That could be because we're all fucking poor and that's it. I mean, it's systemic, right? Fucked up circumstances. Um, no. And it's bad decisions or decisions that you really couldn't not make. No. Like, I had to make this decision or it was going to be my life or yeah. my family's yeah. life. Yeah, like when people joined, like I remember when I lived in LA, there were real gangs. Like there were real bloods, there were real crips, there were real whatever else. And I remember like the little neighborhood that we live close to there was a it was like csi or what new york or la actually and they 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 mentioned that little neighborhood in terms of this is a huge gang and we gotta fight them and blah 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 and it was that's where the investigation took the cops and i'm like that's my fucking neighborhood that's where the library was that we used to go <laughs> to right um so I'm like, that's how I was raised. Like, I remember gang members, like, you couldn't walk the street without, like, where are you from? And it's not, oh, I'm Dominican, and I lived in Brooklyn. No, what gang do you represent, and well, you're going to get beat up. So you got to be like, I'm from nowhere. I don't exist. I don't have an yeah. origin story, right? Um, you couldn't wear certain clothes. You couldn't wear Raiders shit or blue or red because you're going to get beat up. The Nike Cortezes, like, I remember all that. So when I moved to Miami, I'm like, those aren't real fucking gangs. That's fucking jits or, you know, these little... Um, posers trying to be tough so I, I wasn't really worried about any of that um 
you know, but the shit still exists, you know, and so I think some people... I mean, that kind of stuff exists... Everywhere. Yeah. The Ozarks. Yeah. It's not even gangs, it's just there are poor folks that have to make these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And in so one way or another, you know? Yeah. And so to me, I'm just like, if people make those choices, and some people have a tendency to make bad choices, and they're happy with that, you know, and for whatever that is. Like, I, I try really hard to not tell my son that they're bad people. I'm like, people make bad choices. But I ultimately feel like, yeah, sometimes people are fucking bad. That's it. Um, well, enough bad choices yeah. ends up That's a pattern, turning you. Right? You know? um, and so, but yeah, so ultimately I'm like, you know, I'm like, no, I just, I love the music. I love this, but I have enough conviction to be like, it's not going to change me. You know, I don't have to wear saggy pants or mumble music or whatever the fuck. I was doing fuck. that 10 days of 10 albums that influenced you. I saw that. I just, I didn't even click on stuff. And I was thinking about, you know, thinking about that and music has always been crazy, ridiculously important to me. And I'm thinking about all the records that I listened to growing up and how many of those were rap albums. But part of this meme was to, which ones do you still listen to on the regular? And many of those albums, I just, I can't, I have a hard time listening to, like, stuff that I love and I'll pop in, but on the regular, I just can't listen to it anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't stand the misogynistic lyrics. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't, I can separate myself from it, especially with the kids. I'm just like, I don't even want you to know, you're going to hear it. And we've listened to plenty of old school rap, Mm -hmm. new school rap, whatever. I mean, it's not... I'm not afraid that they're going to hear curse words. We curse like sailors around them. But it's just the attitude of yeah. anything. I would feel the same thing about like death metal. Like, like This is just a negative, <laughs> it's a negative attitude. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that, man. Like That's the stuff that really did influence me. Yeah, I think, I feel like there, well, one, before I forgot, the summer read this year is all about music and influences. Uh, so a lot of the books that they have, um, like the choices are all about music yeah. and how it influenced people or all of that. Um, so you, you might actually yeah, like some of those. Um, so it's like rock and read or whatever the theme is this, this summer. Um, but um, I definitely know like obviously our priorities and likes and interests change, right? When we at different stages in life. Um, so I'd say that's definitely one of those reasons. Um, I'd say for rap, for me, what I feel is that, like what I was saying is that um, we don't have that much variety anymore, right? I think people like Jay-Z, people like Snoop, like I think I heard, was it Snoop or Dre? I don't remember when they were like, yeah, I say bitch all the time, but I'll never call my wife that. Yeah. I'll never call my girlfriend that. Um, but I'm like, you need to be as vocal about this as you are about saying bitch on your goddamn songs. Because um, even with Jay-Z, like, one of the reasons I don't like him is, like, you've made all this money about talking about all this flashy shit, but now that he's, like, a fucking super billionaire, now is when you're, like, okay, I'm changing, and I'm an adult, and I'm going to talk about this, but you could have done this all a fucking, you know, the whole, the whole time, you know, to have more variety in terms of what we see in terms of ourselves. Like, I remember there was a line that Buster Rhymes had um, on his songs, and I love Buster Rhymes, but he was like, you're just a small, like, a low-budget nigga. And I'm like, right, so it's like, okay, so now I buy your album, and now you want to insult me, <laughs> right? So I'm like, how the fuck do I feel about that? Like, I'm not a baller, you know? It's like, I'm doing the best I can do, man. I, I, not everyone can be rich. Save, I, I would not eat lunch for a week <laughs> to buy your CD as a kid. I would take my lunch money and just go buy records. And then they want to insult you because you're low budget. And I'm like, that's what you're telling me, you know? Like, I honestly, um, that's how I felt when I heard that line. And I'm like, man, it's like, why you got to insult people who don't make as much money as you do? Like, people, there's real working people that support you. Um, and there's value in all of that, you know? And one of, the, one of the actual stands that I took with music was with Kanye, right? When he first came out, he was on Deaf Poetry. I love whatever poem he did, which became like one of the first, first or second singles that came out. Um, but like when he titled the album, like College Dropout, I was in the middle of my college shit. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but this isn't your life, man. Like you were like middle mid-income family or whatever that's called um yeah he's pretty middle class yeah middle class right so he was middle class i think he had both parents at home yep. right he had a pretty good 
upbringing and then you're talking about college dropout um and i didn't i don't even think i heard the album but i was just like fuck it i'm in the middle of college i don't need someone telling me that this life is okay as a dropout because i see my path going a different way um and so i i said fuck you from that point on i've never been a fan right and there's shit that i like i'm like oh man he has talent but i'm not spending my money for you man Um, i don't know we could go on and on about kanye and his talent um I don't it, like that dude at all. It's, you know, I don't, I don't like, like some of the production on his music, but yes, he's the worst MC in the world. That's what I mean. I don't like I don't like arrogance. As much as I trash talk and love trash talking for every fucking thing in my life, um, there's a difference, right? I think he takes it to a whole nother level, right? When I think about arrogance or trash talking, I see Jordan, right? Um, the players that or Muhammad he, Ali, he right? played against. Well, I think with him it was different. <laughs> like he was horrible. When you look at him now, he was fucking horrible. But in terms of real life, like I know when documentaries that I've seen, like he supported people that he trash talked publicly. That's, that's what right? I mean. Like he, it was a game. Yes. Yes, exactly. So in that sense, like with Jordan, it was probably real because what I've heard, like the his opponents were like, he was fucking horrible in terms, <laughs> of, in terms of trash talking. But it was private. You know what yeah. I mean? Like in, in public, he was never like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm like six rings and doing that. That's fucking showing off. That's bragging. But it's like he's earned that right. He's earned a little bit of fucking bragging rights to be able to like, he's Jordan. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm okay with that. But when you like, I think Shaq was one of those who talk so much shit and then Kobe was another one who I hated because of that um Shaq I think I learned to respect more as I saw him more as a person because like his personality is just I fucking trash talk I it's like I'm just funny and I'm silly as shit and once I realized that I'm like okay so not everything is him like having the fucking Kanye ego right um which I don't like you know I don't like any of that um but yeah I just don't like it before you really Made it. <laughs> Done it. I, that's, that is it. And I don't... Some of his records are okay. Some of his songs, I'll sing along with them. I just don't feel like you're that consistent to really claim I know, but, any sort of like... But you know what that, that to me is? That's just the persona, man. And that's... People like... Well, I think it's drove him crazy. You hear all the shit he's talking now. I mean... We live in this, you know, the whole reality TV culture. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, great. I get to see this guy all the time. More money, more money... For him, um, and he ain't really saying shit. Like all these fucking Instagram people, is like, what are you? What, like you can't put a post on Instagram. Like I see so many people on Instagram. It's like, oh, I love my husband. It's our twenty fifth anniversary. Buy this shirt, uh, <laughs> shopping. Yeah. And I'm like, are you? This makes no fucking sense. This makes no sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, and and there's there's no genuineness about shit anymore. It's like we're just. So I don't like any of that. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think a lot of it is just, you know, we grew up, like, I think with, with rap, it's that. It's like, I think a lot of the rappers now, I, I don't even, like, the people that we grew up with, I don't think I really hear them rapping about shit that we go through, right? Like, where's Jay-Z talking about, like, shit, I, I, my bones are weak, and my back is hurting. I can't stay up that late anymore. Yeah, I, like, I want to hear those fucking rap songs, right? Is, is that cool? No, it fucking isn't. But you're a baller, son. Like, show me that you can relate to, to regular people and people our age. Um, and I think the people that are doing that, um, in not music, but are some of the comedians. Like, Chris Rock, yeah. his tambourine, have you seen that yep. special? Yep. That, to me, was really fucking honest. Um, some of it I can't relate because I'm like, I'm not rich. I don't yeah. know that life. I don't, Rihanna, that'd be great. I'd like to mess with her, too, right? But it's just like... But I think he was real, like you're talking about adult shit and raising kids and America and some of the challenges. And, you know, it's like, I'm there. Sean, not Sean, Marlon, Marlon Wayans. Yeah. Have you seen his special? No, he's got a, it's he, a Netflix stand-up? I don't think, yeah. I don't think he's ever done a stand-up comedy special. And he did this one and... Um, Sarah and I were just talking about how awesome the Wayans are. Like, yeah. what a family full of genius. And, you know, they work hard. I want to see some living color shit. I think I want to get some living color there you can see reruns late um, night on one of the regular channels um that was my favorite shit man it's a lot more oh. fucked up than i remember like it is it's yeah. a lot more like whoa <laughs> you can do that now yeah you couldn't have handyman and should you i don't know but yeah. i mean there's just things that they were doing that you couldn't do now yeah. you know that's like we were talking about 80s movies like there are just a lot of things that went on back then that there, it was a lot would was not fly more accepted 
Yep, and would, you know, and should not fly, really. I mean, there's some of those things, like, you don't have to go there, but... Yeah, I I like a lot of that Chris Rock special. I did appreciate how brutally honest he was, but it made me uncomfortable at times. Like, damn, dude. It's, I, I was actually, I was talking to a co-worker of mine um, who, she has an adopted black son, um, and she's not African. Is she white? She's Indian. Indian. And her husband is Caucasian, and so just those complexities right what, yeah. that they have to navigate so he's young but i was like to me i'm like this is for not like that's what i think about every day and raising my son in this climate in this world um if i had a girl i think i'd be even tougher because i'm like now you have to deal with fucking men and all of those issues right and then the mean girls like you got to be ready for them right so that like, start <laughs> boys have it easy and roman has not had to deal with any of that shit but bb has i mean I, yeah. Mean girls are legit, man. I think if I had, I think if I had a daughter, I'd be even tougher on her. Like we would have done martial arts from day one. Like, okay, let's start training. Do you stretches that fucking two months? You gotta be ready. Um, cause yeah, cause you, I mean, you don't know who the fuck you can trust anymore, and you gotta like, you gotta be strong minded to be able to just let all that shit go. Um, and that's ultimately like I think that's that's what why you don't have to worry about music or what they say and what movies show you because they're like it's just it's entertainment uh, or yeah this, this is a lot of it is real but i don't have to do any well of that. i think it helps too if you've got somebody to talk to no like who is a grown-up and can say this is entertainment a lot of this is posture yeah you know um and it's like a horror flick like you know jason and out there uh, there's fucked up things that are going on in the world but it's there's posturing yeah and you know, having someone that you can talk to, like, a, I feel like our generation is very different than our parents and the things that we were exposed to in popular culture. Yeah. It wasn't as, you know, it wasn't whitewashed. It wasn't like this pretense of purity and that our pop culture was pretty raw. Yeah. You know, we had punk rock, metal, rap. Like the slasher yeah, flicks, yeah, like yeah, yeah. what we're seeing visually, Scarface, like all of those like films, like we just were exposed to a lot of entertainment and none of us turned out. It may have desensitized, yeah. but you know, video games. So yeah, and that's the same shit they say about video games, and I'm just like, I don't believe that. Like I think um, there's times where I th I feel that where I'm like, am I desensitized? Maybe, but I, you know, ultimately it's like you still have to be aware of like. I have to be better or I have to give more or be more of a support um, or this is just a game. Like, Well, I, I think just... too, it's, if you're that kind of, right, I mean, uh, getting sucked into a video game to the point where you feel like you, you're going to kill and that's, it's not a chicken and the egg thing. It's not mm -hmm. a nurture nature thing. It's they blend together to bring this yeah, bad right. part out of you. You know, if you are the type of young man who's prone to violence and let's be honest, it's young men, it's not young women who mm -hmm. are falling into any of these kind of traps. But if you're a young man that's prone to violence and you like violent video games, it just feeds into a mentality that you already have and you probably aren't getting help for. Yeah. And you're turning to a video game maybe to relieve some of that or you're looking at, you know, some kind of pornography to feed whatever you've already got. And if you don't have someone to talk to, yeah. you know, yeah. it tends to lead to bad things and it's not the access to that stuff that has led you to that path, but it's... It certainly hadn't helped, but before we stop this, I want to talk to you a little bit about the police academy. Tell me, you were going to be a cop. Uh, yeah, yeah. I Let's see. When I moved here in 99, I applied to the Miami Beach Police Department. Did you have um, someone in your life that was police? No. Nope. No, I think, you know, I think basically for, it could be, I don't know how to explain it, because I think in terms of my own personality, I don't think any of that blends well with the work of a police officer, right? But I've loved martial arts. I practice it now, did it in high school. Um, and I'm always okay with getting thrown down and beat up and with that, but I, I'm not a fighter yeah. in that sense, right? So um, so I don't know how that sort of plays into it, but I, I, I can do the training. I did well, I passed the academy, right? Um, and it was tough, it was tough to even get selected. It was like a 12, step process, you know, different interviews. Um, I actually, I applied the first time, took the test. So like, well, Miami was 99, I applied, and then 
I moved here. And then, like, a couple months later, I get a letter that was forwarded. To oh, me. no shit. So it's like, hey, we're having the testing. Do you want to test? I'm like, it's too fucking late. And so there's been several times throughout my whole entire time here where I always said, fuck it, go and apply to be a police officer. And then um, every time I would go, I'd be honest about, like, in their criteria, it says you can't have smoked weed within the past two years or three years. And so whatever the department rules are, excuse me. So I'd go and I'd ask, and then they're like, if you had a... I was like, I don't have a problem. Regretfully, I was at a fucking concert. Jay-Z yeah. came into town, and it's the first time I smoked in three years. Well, you got to wait three years. And I'm like, you're fucking an idiot. Um, but I honestly took everything at, like, at the... At, like, face value i'm like okay um and i know that's like people lie about shit now as an adult i'm like well there's probably people that still smoke weed in their cops oh, yeah. um and people that are racist in their cops and people that are whatever else you know and they, they do these jobs um and so that's one of the things that set me back from not getting the job sooner because i was just fucking honest i'm like i don't have a problem with this i don't care for it um i'm being honest with you and so they're like you're gonna wait three years Right. So then eventually um, Becker was born, went through school, had my master's, struggled with work and getting jobs that I felt I was qualified for. And I just I must have applied to like over 100 jobs within like three or four years um, and got zero, zero of what I felt like I should get. Um, and so and it was like from teaching from professor from tutoring and then like working at barnes and nobles and then okay let's work fast food let's apply here and so i went all down the list and then i'm like oh i've thought about police work let's apply um because i just needed more money yeah you know and so ultimately what happened was that i did did i took the test which is pretty simple um then you go back you interview and then i did well there um and i think i went through like two or three different steps and then didn't move forward in the process. But I impressed, um, I guess, some of the detectives or people in leadership there um, enough that they called me back like maybe a few months later for an, a civilian position that they had at the Oleta department. Um, and so I was like, sure, yeah, I welcome that. So then I started the interview process there and then because I impressed them with the interviews they were like didn't you originally come to us as a cop and I was like yes we'll offer you the interview we'll offer to pick you up from where you left off yeah. with this opportunity right so now it's like well fuck I didn't really want to be a cop I just wanted more money right <laughs> um, which is the truth right and so the job that I was applying for I think was around the same salary anyways but here I was in a group like with a group of men, right, who are fucking military and ex-military and just like super macho. And this is how they met me, applying for police work, right? Like, I want to be on the force. Um, and so, and they're saying, we can't promise you that you're going to get the job, but we can promise that you will sit and talk to the chief of police for this city. Um, and I couldn't say no to that because I felt like had I said no, I might have gone through the interview and they probably wouldn't have hired me for yeah. the other role, right? Because ultimately it's like I, I feel that I would have lost their respect. Um, and they would have been like, well, we just fucking handed him this opportunity and what the fuck else is he going to do now? Um, so obviously he must have lied and he just needs work. Um, and then w even if they gave it to me because I would have done well, um, what opportunities would they have given me? How else would I ha have grown, right? That's honestly what I felt. So I'm like, yes, I want to meet an interview with the chief. Let's go. Right? So psychological exam, like the physical agility and all of that. Um, and, yeah, so I did good on those. I have asthma, exercise-induced asthma, so I was really worried about that. Um, I don't think the academy is as tough as I think it should be. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we're, you know, the ones that the one that I did was, I, f I don't know what, the, what they're called, but it was basically I got to go home every night. So there's one in Hutchinson, I think. I don't know. But that one is like the real p the police academy from you the movies. You go away for a while. Yeah. yeah. So it's like military where you go away for a while. And I feel like that's the environment I would have needed. So at the time was when um, uh, Erica and I were, were struggling in our relationship. And so taking this role on, which she wasn't supportive of at all, and I don't, I don't blame her. Um, but I'm like, I've gone down all of my lists and went through all this process, and they're saying yes to me. 
um, to me, I'm like, that's a fucking sign. So I need to take it. Um, and that's it. I like, to me, I'm like, we, like at some point we continue to battle back and forth over this job. And I'm like, listen, I don't want to hear anything else about it. Like I've made the decision. Um, and I, I get your point, but I, you know, some people are just born that have more, more opportunities or they're, it's easier for them in a sense. Not that she doesn't work hard. Um, but I applying to a hundred jobs and not getting any to me, I'm like, okay, this one's calling me that to me, that's a fucking sign. Yeah, Take it. Um, so I took it, you know, but I felt, I feel like my personality and the way I learned, I needed to be fully invested in that, which would have meant not seeing her, not seeing my son until the weekends or whatever the heck they would have said. But I, I feel like that's how I would have been more successful. Um, I struggled with, well, I passed the entire academy, so I did well with all of that. We had a small class. We only had one student that didn't make it, um, didn't graduate, um, and it's because they couldn't certify um, with the shooting. So, um, and I I was really worried because him and I were pretty similar in terms of upbringing and values and just how we felt about everything. And he was of color too. So I was just like, oh, God, I'm, I'm not worried about the academy, but I'm worried about the real on-the-job training. Because then the the on-the-job training is where this is okay. Do it. Um, And that's a job where it's not, it's serious, right? So I struggle with geography. So one address system I struggle with, Olathe has five. So they put me in like the Bermuda Triangle. Um, And I was learning. I I honestly feel like I learned a lot about Olathe and the city and, but... Um, in terms of what police have to think about and, okay, we're going to 9123, blah, blah, blah. Um, I can't just show up and choose the direct path. It's like, it could be a fucking ambush. It could be yeah. whatever. So how do we always maintain the element of surprise? So you need to have a second and third option, and maybe the third option is the most that keeps that element of surprise. And so it's like, listen, uh, you're asking me to have three routes, and I could barely find one. Okay, <laughs> right? So that shit I didn't know I was going to struggle with, right? Until I actually took the job. I don't know how you um, would, they can't prep you for that. They, I mean, they tell you and you, you, be, uh... you're learning, you're, like you're learning the map and they tell you, you have to know this like the back of your hand. I get it, but I think it's a different story when you're in the car. Like even when I drive, I leave early enough so that I'm always on time to places, right? When I commit, um... So that's never an issue, but I've, I'm fucking, like, if I'm talking to someone, I'm doing enough to be safe, but I'm not paying attention to, like, the road signs in terms of, like, exits, right, and where I need to be. And so I'm like, oh, oh I'm, I made a wrong turn. I just missed the exit. We needed to go here. Um, and so, like, with the job, it's like you have to be like, okay, I'm on 75th and all. Um, driving north 76 and all 77 for now and so if something happens i need to radio in hey this is car 230 something i'm in headed west one block or like half a quarter mile down from yeah. 76 and all um shots fired whatever the fuck it is um and it's like listen you're asking someone who is fucking mindless when he's driving to now be thinking of the road the cars who's a criminal um right who's a threat what am I not doing, right, to keep myself safe? And then yeah. 75th, 77th, and it's like, listen, you're fucking, this is too much for me. And honestly, um, I struggled with that, but then I also struggled with um, officer safety, which officer safety is like everything that you do to keep yourself safe and other people. And so for me, like my personality, I've always been, like as I was, I, like I think be- even though I was bullied, just being strong in mind, I never felt like it was a real threat, even though, like, I walked away, so in a sense, like, okay, my life wasn't in real danger. Um, But then as I grew up, I was always this size. So I know I don't look intimidating, but I think the size is intimidating enough. So, you know, I've worked in Wyandotte, so I never felt like, even though I know some neighborhoods were real fucking sketchy, I never felt like, oh, this is a real fucking threat. I felt like no matter what is going on and who's there, if I see all red, all blue, I'm like, okay, this is... Okay, let's go, right? Um, and I did just enough, and I knew I always felt safe. But with the police, everything you do is doesn't matter. Like I could be talking to your kids; they're in the back seat. Keep show me your hands. Yeah. Right, your kids like he could just be small, and he's fucking twenty, and he's a criminal. I don't fucking know that yet, you know. And they show us videos of like old people shooting cops. 
you know, some old man, just like country, whatever. He's just like, fuck it, I'm done with the government. Um, next time a cop pulls me over, or actually I'm trying to get pulled over, and whoever the fuck it is, I'm going to shoot them. And, I mean, they're showing us real, like, officer deaths, uh, you know, as the training. And so I'm like, part of it, you have to drink the fucking cooler. Like, I took this job and the story. Like, you know, they're telling you the way you present yourself is important. If your fucking uniform is sloppy, if you're fucking fat, um, people look at that. And they've done research, or at least they said they did research, right, that says, like, with criminals, like, why did you attack this cop? Why did you do this? It was like, because this motherfucker, I looked like, he looked like I could take him. Yeah. He looked like he was fucking soft. Um, and one, I'm like, okay. I, I always felt like I looked soft. So I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I got to shine the boots, spit shine the boots. I got to make sure the uniform's pressed, right? And so I, I tell Becker that shit. Like, because I know fashion, I know enough that it's like, you have to be presentable and professional. But then with the uniform and the gi and karate, I'm like, hey. This shows respect for yourself, for your class, for whatever. And so, and then in terms of like what it means when people see that, what does that mean? Oh, he's, he's sharp. He has a, he means right? business, right? Um, and so, yeah, so I struggle with that. And so some of it was like you pull somebody over and it's a 15 year old and you're talking to him and it's like, um, take your hands out of your pocket and it's fucking two degrees. Take your hands out of your pocket, sir. Um, Hey, take your hands out of your pocket, and then I, you have to be better at, hey, you know what, just, I don't really know you, I don't know what you have in your pockets, just to be safe, um, do you mind if I pat you down, right, so all of those things, and then just your your spacing, you know, where your hands are, hands are always, yeah. they're always up, they're always up, you're fidgeting or doing something, right, so it's, everything is just. So did you end up telling them, like, hey, I just can't do this? No, no, I was like, oh. They said, nope, we're not going to. Uh, you know, because basically, yeah. They knew? They, I mean, they were telling me, it was like, you're struggling, you're not yeah. making it sink or swim. Um, and I'm like, listen, um, I'm not going to stop. I'm here, and I'm doing the best that I can. So, yeah, if you don't and, tell me, I'm not. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I will trust you guys. When you guys tell me that I am no longer able to, to learn or that, yeah, or that I'm not safe performing this job, I will trust you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was it. Right. You know, ultimately, I was like, I'm, I'm doing my, the best I can. I am trying to implement everything you guys tell me, although I know it doesn't always happen. Like, I know there was one call where it was, it was a suicide call, right? Suicide attempt, or it was one of those things. And I was the lead officer on that call, right? So, I mean, we always go in with our um, training officer, the lead, the supervisor, whatever, um, who has years on the force and knows how to protect and keep people safe. Um, but I went in, and so it was a woman who mental issues or whatever it was, and so um, we're trying to talk and hey, what's happening, and see what the heck the situation is. And when we walked in, she was we were in the living room, and then she walked into the kitchen, which. What we're trained is you don't let no fucking body go into the kitchen, right? Because we know there's knives there, right. there's forks, there's whatever else. Um, and I let her walk into the kitchen, right? Now, yeah, I let her walk into the kitchen. So huge fucking mistake. And so, but I was, I kept my spacing, I kept watching, and I knew like, okay, be more <laughs> aware because of where we are now. Um, but I shouldn't have let her go in. I should have just been like, hey, do you mind if we just talk here? There's more space, there's more of us. Um, Right? It didn't have to be a fucking fight. Like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Right. We don't know you. But I needed more time to develop that awareness um, and a lot of that control. And what's funny is that I tell Becker now, um, he was the only one that was actually proud. I, I was proud of the work I did. Um, and I regret not leaving on my own terms, you know. Um, but he was the only one that was proud of me and that wishes I would would have still been a cop. No. But of course, he was three yeah. and doesn't understand the realities, right? Um, but so I tell him, that I told him, I think it was like a year ago when we started karate or had a year into it, I was like, um, I don't feel as confident as I do. I did not feel as confident then as, as a police officer as I do now. Um, and imagine my job was to protect and to serve. And there were moments where I had to arrest people. And there was one dude I remember was like, three or four inches taller than me, right, um, who was like a football player in college or whatever. And so I'm like, what would have happened had he wanted to fight, you know? I mean, all I got is four months of training from the academy, and that's not every day where I'm training like fucking, you know, Muhammad Ali. It's like I'm learning laws and math and whatever other shit. Um, we don't all get, part of the job, yeah, yeah. We don't get enough self-defense. Um, at least I don't think so. Um, 
So yeah, so I talked to him about that. I was like, yeah, we need more, you know. Um, but one of my good friends, I don't know if you know him, Chato, you know Chato? Villalobos. So. Mm. Um, he's a member of the collective as well, Latino Writers, um, but he's a KCMO police officer. Um, I think he's been on the job for like 16 years, more or less. Um, Ex-military too, I don't know what branch. Um, but when I talked to him, he's, he's a community officer, so he's really big on the north northeast, I believe, like... By, the, by Maddie Roads yeah. and all that oh, area. That's, uh, um, is and that the West Side? The West Side Camp Center. So he yeah. does. A, he's. I think he does a lot of work around there. Um, but he, him, and his partner are phenomenal in terms of community policing. Um, and so I used to. T- I talked to him a lot more around that time. And he's like, you know, the force needs people that um, have your heart, and they need to invest more time into training them to develop the warrior side. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's all I needed, which is what I'm doing now with the karate, right? But I'm like, there's even at, in the dojo, they, they tell me and my son the same thing. It's like, you guys need to be more aggressive. <laughs> you, guys, you guys need to be louder. You guys, you know, you guys need to be more, more leaders. And they give you all, the, they give us all those opportunities, right? Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm like, okay, I see a lot of me and my son. And, and I don't think it's bad, um, but I know there's a time and a place where you have to be something or someone else. That's your job, right? And so I'm like, he's going to learn those things, but I also have to learn it, right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that. And so with that, one of the things that I want to do with that training is actually write out a manu- like write a book. Um, so let's talk about what are you, where can people find you? Are you online? I have zero online presence. <laughs> I hate I hate all of that. Um, I have, what do you call this? I don't use my Twitter account ever. You've got an Instagram. I have an Instagram. I do. You're on Facebook. But I do you am have, on you Facebook. You have a webpage with like no. show info or anything. No, no, no. I don't do any of that. Um, I don't. I just I just hate that. I hate all that self promotion thing. But I'm I'm trying and thinking about maybe an agent to see how they can help with get gigs and get my book and my name. Yeah, up I don't know how that works money. for poets, man. I, um, I don't know. I, I, I reached out to one agency that's local, um, but they they haven't replied, and so I'm just going to do more research and see what type of support I can get. Um, and then, because um, I have the Prospero's book, um, the pop poetry yeah, you book, your pop book, and then I have the other full length collection that's not moving at all. I've applied for several grants to buy and re up on that, um, but because I keep getting rejected, I'm like, I, I can't buy it. I got life, I got school, I got to pay for yeah. my son's stuff. Um, so I'm like, I actually applied for the inspiration grant again, so I'm hoping that I get some of those funds, um, so then I can order books and then hopefully get so people that want to. Um, it's on Buy Amazon. Shit, man. It's Amazon? on Amazon. Right. They can order it. So the book is. I'll put a link up for them. It's We Seek Asylum is the title. It's on Amazon, which means the press gets the money, which is fine. Um, um, I just don't get it, and so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> As you look in the distance, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, I deal it, with it. you know, I, I need money, but you know, I, I'd like for people to actually read the book, and so yeah. um, I'm trying to think of ways. I have to get the contract again and see what are my options in terms of being able to get people to read this book um, if they don't want to buy it, but are at least interested in receiving it. Are you um, have any readings coming up? Writer's Place in September. Excellent. Excellent. And that's it. Um, they spelled my name wrong. First name? Last, last name? name. But that's all right. Um, but yeah, no, so I haven't really been doing much, and so I, I want to get back to work on the next manuscript. Um, and I'm just hoping that um, at least before the end of the year, I have a real structure in terms of the art business side of my writing. I'm shaking my head. Um, Nobody can see it, but it's, it's a, that is the hardest thing, I think, as a parent of a grade schooler, structure. Everything revolves around. I don't, I don't have, like with my writing, I don't have it. Um, and so, I, you know, I did the strength assessment. I, I did those recently. So I did personality assessment, yeah. the Myers-Briggs. Um, there's, I think my little sister did like your numerology number or whatever it's actually called, your life path number. Um, so I think all of those things are really interesting because some of them, I don't know how real or accurate they could be. Um, but I did the strength assessment. And so the one of the ones that I did, I did several. One of the ones that I did had my least developed strength as salesmanship. 
right? Which says basically everything that I need to do for social media and how to market and promote myself. I feel myself. like you can hire all um, that, man. And really yeah, and that's agent what, or just somebody to manage that stuff for you. Like, yeah. I just need a promoter. And so, and that's that's what I'm starting to look into yeah. um, and figure out if I can that can just be part of my budget and my expenses, um, so that I can actually start or continue and get a reading a month or a couple of readings a month. Do uh, does the collective have any sort of collective promotional aspect that you could buy into as a group? And I say, you know hey, let's I do this together. It, the co- I haven't been involved with yeah, the writing gotcha. collective in a lot of ways, um, but it's you know it's a nonprofit, and I think a lot of it is that um, there's there's no real staff, yeah. you know what I mean that that handles all of the aspects. It's a struggle of it. for I think for um, anybody who's doing small press work, like that's the hardest thing marketing. You know? And so um, so no, I, I'm looking to see who I actually emailed one woman because I liked the roster of people that she was promoting yeah. um, and working with um, but I don't think they're looking for so if you all they, out they there were know in New York. agents get in touch with Gustavo and hook him up so they were in New York uh, but yeah so man thanks for your time I this was good I'm glad we got to chat and that was Gustavo Ibar I'd like to thank Gustavo for coming to chat I'd like to thank you, as always, for listening. I'd like to thank Is You Is or Is You Ain't for the music. I would like to say, if you want to send an email, I'm at litkcpod, that's L-I-T-K-C-P-O-D, at gmail.com. Drink yourself some water. Get yourself some sun. Write yourself a poem. Write a poem for your mother. And then give it to her. Or better yet, read it to her. And tell her you love her. Until next time.